Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week we'll be featuring sermons from the recent Bible conference in El Paso, Texas, pastored by Paul Stevens. We pray these sermons are a blessing to you, and we're sure they will be. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless. We have here tonight, I uh, was thinking about Pastor Ruby's message about storm chasers. We have been a privileged people. You know, uh, we, we've walked in an atmosphere of revival for the last 53 years. I get it, there's some, there are some rhythms and some cycles and so forth, but uh, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, fabricate the spirit. I don't know what you're feeling, but when we're fired up seeing those courses, and you can feel, uh, I always love Wednesday. It just seems like hearts, uh, you know, we push the road dust of our uh, our lives and distractions. We're, we're in the conference mode. We're, uh, you know, God has already been softening our hearts. Do you, do you ever consider that what a miracle it is that God can really soften our hearts? Because the tendency is to just become familiar, over-familiar, breach contempt, and then, you know, ah, yeah, whatever. And so, I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm as genuine as I can be tonight. 53 years, I still get my mind blown by the encounter of the Spirit of God. That's why heaven's never going to get old. It's like, do you ever think about this? We always say, that was the best conference ever. And I think that we're being very sincere. Why? Because it's not like we learn anything super, super revolutionary, you know. But it's just like when God is fresh and God is freshly visiting us, it's the best of the best. It's His presence. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. And at His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, neither has entered into your heart or imagination the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. We're not going to be bored in heaven. Thank you again, uh, Pastor Paul Stevens and Sister Renee, two uh, veterans of the cross, soldiers of the cross. Uh, I, I, I didn't intend to share this, but uh, last Prescott conference, I was in the fasting the second night, and I am not a crybaby type Christian. I'm from the East Coast. I have ice cubes in my blood. I'm not a, a slobberer, you know what I mean? But I was overwhelmed. And it seemed like God just compressed. And I just saw Pastor Greg, and I saw Pastor Warner, and I saw Pastor Stevens, and Pastor Ruby, and Pastor Lamb, and Pastor Fo- and boom, 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 and all, and the overseas, Nigel and Sergey. And, and I felt the like the most intense, intense burdens that these men, and can I just, can I, can I give you a secret? They're not going to tell you, but you're never going to be off base throwing some extra prayers on their behalf. Okay. And we need to appreciate all they do. Seriously, all they do for us. Only God and only eternity is going to reveal when they stood in the gap, they named us by name before the throne of God. 
How many people, when you're driving home or you're driving to work in the morning, how many people are like for real, like are praying for you? I remember some evangelist clown came one time. And he says, he never met my church. And he's like the razzle-dazzle type, you know. Not even our fellowship. And he goes, I just want you to know, I pray for each one of you every single day. I go, you're lying. <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> well, and then he, because he, <laughs> he could feel my spirit. Like, what? You don't even know us. What are you talking about? Don't lie to my church. That gets me ticked. And so, uh, and then he could feel my spirit rise. He goes, wow, I pray in tongues over you. You don't, I don't believe you anyway. Let's, don't get me going. Uh, Romans chapter eight. I want to present you something that can absolutely assist you in whatever stage of ministry, Christianity, whatever state your Christian life is involved in. I have for years had a little ditty poem on my uh, wall that has greatly inspired me through emphasizing thick and thin. And it goes like this, two ships. One ship drives east and another drives west with the selfsame winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not of the gales which tell us the way to go. Like the winds of the seas are the ways of fate as we voyage along through life. Tis the set of the soul that decides its goal and not the calm or the strife. No one can underestimate the incredible impact that perspective plays in each of our final outcomes along the journey of life ministry, and the will of God that he's called us to. I want to minister a message called Prospering Perceptions, Romans 8, 27 through 31. And he that searcheth the heart, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let me start with a panorama. And I'm focusing in on a word. I want to expand on this perception. Perception deals with the state of one's ideas. The facts that are known to an individual that have, you know, meaningful inner relationship. Or in other words, how one synthesizes, mixes together the different facets of a person's circumstances, things that are coming at you in life, and you know what, you're in real time, and things are happening, and snap, crackle, pop, things are going on, and you have a processor on board that is um, 
arriving at conclusions about these things. You're synthesizing all of this stimuli and, and, and impact and impulse and feelings. And I'm talking about a mental outlook. I'm talking about your overview or the way that you look at the things of life. Now, for our purposes, how you interpret these things as life unfolds, but especially as you see how God fits into the picture or the puzzle. And we can liken this that we all have an inner umpire that calls, strikes, and balls, determines if something, in our opinion, is fair or foul, something that helps me or something that hinders, and, and it like registers on an inner scoreboard within and lets you keep score. So to speak, as it were, that how is my life really unfolding? And how do I view where I am in life, where I uh, am on the uh, scale of things? And, and so these things added up together gives you an idea of what your life is aimed at. Is my life worth it? Is it worth it what I'm enduring or what I'm about to give myself to? And uh, so this is the picture that I want to uh, paint for us. And especially as we incorporate um, God and his plans into the inner uh, equation. If you view God as a good God, which I do, the devil runs a propaganda mill, a grist mill. 24-7, he's a minister of condemnation, he is the accuser of the brethren, he's the accuser of God, the sneering serpent that says, hath God said, and, uh, and the body slams that he wants to put on God, but I want to counter that by declaring absolutely, God is a good God. And that his intentions towards us are good. Can I give you a little ditty from Spurgeon? When you cannot trace God's hand, you can trust God's heart. And I have a little poster as a kid. They do an outline of the hand and then they move it and they do it. And so it's like this blurry handprint. And so it's like you can't like make a clear uh, picture of one of one, uh, you know, outline of a hand, it's kind of blurry. And so Spurgeon's um, uh, words were, when you cannot trace God's hand in your circumstance and in, your, in, the, in the things you're going through in the moment, you know what your fallback is? Trust God's heart. It's worked for me. If on the other hand, your perception is very different about God, if you've been compromised... You've been hijacked. You've got a faulty, skewed view. I guarantee you that is going to color all of your circumstances and you're going to arrive at very, very incorrect conclusions. And we're talking to a group of people that are, uh, you are high profile. In our, you may not be known to the Fortune 500. I don't give a rat's rear end about the... Uh, the uh, the world, I don't care. You're known by God. 
and you're, you're well-known, actually. And you are people that are involved, and your hand is to the plow of ministry. And so uh, if you're going to stay in the game, so to speak, you're going to last the distance. Uh, they that endure to the end are going to be saved. And how many of you want to plan on being part of the team that makes it to the finish line? Amen. And so uh, we're talking about ministry. We're talking about decisions. We're talking about, yeah, destiny. Jesus captures the possible contrast in the Sermon of the Mount. Now remember, the Sermon of the Mount is not one of many things. This is a premier kingdom manifesto. This is like, this is a highly, highly uh, elevated. Um, God is opening his heart. God is giving us his mindset. God is showing us something that's going to last into eternity. The kingdom manifesto, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? I like the message translation. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief... Your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. I like how that, <laughs> uh, that uh, speaks in our language, on our level. Now, I want to dig a little deeper into a couple of the words. Jesus used this expression, if your eye is single, it's the Greek word haplous. Your eye is single and literally means um, your eye is simple. It's not full of all kinds of different distractions and pulled. It's simple. It's clear. It's whole. It's wholesome. It's fulfilling its office. It's sound. But if your eyes, um, okay, so if your eyes um, are, are, um, are healthy, you're going to process life um, in a wholesome manner. There's like, if your eye is, Jesus is talking about the faculty of your perception. If your perceptions are sound, then you're going to process life in a healthier, wholesome manner. You're going to be able to rightly apprise your circumstances. And, and even if there's some difficulty, even if there's some bumps in the road, but if your perception is right, that's all going to be fine. It's all going to work out. You know why? Because my God has got my back. You know why? Because God goes before me. He's my rear guard. He's on my right. He's, he's my buckler. He's my shield. You know what? Um, I, you know what? Uh, I am secure in the fact that God goes with me. If God doesn't go with me, Mo Mo Moses said, if God, if you're not going to go with me, uh, I don't want to go. But if God is with us, who can be against us? That's not a cliche. You know, I have a little mission. I told my church, I'm going to rescue the cliches uh, from God's people that just, oh, yeah, 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 I heard, yeah. If God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah, but how many of you believe that? And as it's uh, proven out in your uh, reactions of life. You know, the other uh, statement, if your eye be evil, it's the Greek word poneros. Uh, 
if your eye is evil, if your eye is hurtful, if it's diseased, if it's unsound, Thayer's adds the flavor full of labors, annoyances. So get this picture. If your eye is full of annoyances, it's just, it's, it's like, it's like a radar that's going across the horizon of your life and it's picking up not the good stuff. It's, it's like it's homing in on the agitations, on the criticisms, on the things that irritate you and frustrate you. And so it implies that if you exist in that state of mind, there is mental mosquitoes, a mental hornet's nest, as it were, that is buzzing around you, that you're being pressed and harassed by labors and toils and perils. It's actually the same word that Paul used in Ephesians 6.13 when he talked about the evil day. The evil day. He said, you know, having done all to stand uh, and the evil day. And that's the time uh, when there's like a massive combination of disastrous events. They're flooding. It's like the floodgates of hell have opened up. The sluice gates um, of the devil are flooding against you um, and rising up against you all around. Um, This is not just a bad hair day. It's something like hell on earth. The evil day. But Jesus actually what he's speaking of is a state of mind. The bent of one's outlook that literally starts to dominate and define that person. And it's like a filter that colors everything that passes through the lens of your worldview. And how you perceive the life around you. Uh, how you um, measure things, uh, and like I said before, whether you're getting a good deal or you're getting, a, uh, uh, you know, getting burned. And so, again, if you have healthy set of eyes, spiritual eyes, um, then things are clear, things are crisp, and uh, it helps you to rightly gauge uh, what's going on around you. You're also able to see perception and depth. Things are no longer just a, a fuzzy, uh, things are going on, things are happening, I'm overwhelmed, I can't really uh, grasp this too much, I just know I don't like it or I fear it. And so uh, if you have a healthy set of eyes, uh, you're able to see clearly What's the uh, road to take? Uh, What's the thing to avoid? The pitfalls to avoid? Uh, And it greatly, greatly aids you um, in the navigation of life. If, on the other hand, your eyes grow something that older people are familiar with, if they grow cataracts, then it's like something like a veil has dropped on your sight. Now, no longer are you seeing things with, you know, perception and clarity. Now, things are opaque. Things are fuzzy. You've lost the depth of perception. This is why. You know what? Sometimes older people, you need to hang up your keys, your spurs. It would bless the rest of us to have the peace of mind that you that can't see perception at nighttime are not driving at us. But that's another Uh, that's another story it's like I can't believe this happened to me but it's like Michelle did you change the bulbs in the in the bathroom I can't see my sock drawer as clear as I used to 
Oh, you're not there yet. Okay, well, let me tell you. It's like, have you had the embarrassing situation where you're on the platform and you're sitting down and you look down at your shoes and you realize, wait a minute, one of those socks is blue and the other one is black. <laughs> and, you're, and you're trying to like nonchalantly and, you know, all the eager beaver disciples that are watching, they're always, you know, radar, radar disciples. Like, yeah. Hey, pastor, pastor, it was funny. You <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's a bummer if you come to church wearing the wrong pants and the wrong jacket. But we're getting the, you're misjudging colors. You're, it's because something's happening. And, and the window gate, it leads into the soul and into the heart. And spiritually speaking, and if things are, the signals that are passing in are messed with, and they've been jammed, as it were, uh, you're getting the wrong input on your hard drive, and things will go wrong or awry. Things that you'll come to wrong conclusions. I, it's kind of like the article I read about this elderly couple, and they were rejoicing that they had a brand new grandchild. And so they're leaving California. They're going to drive over. I believe it's in Arizona someplace, and they're going to drive, and their GPS was faulty and and they came to the intersection and the gps told them to go right but they're supposed to go left and when they went right they actually ended up driving into death valley which is named appropriately they ran out of gas and then they died from exposure the two people because they were led astray by a faulty GPS. If you don't believe that that happens, not all the time, but that happens quite frequently in a spiritual sense, and I want to help you to understand something. Uh, it happens more often than you might know or that you might guess. And so if I've established that point, um, how crucial it is um, that we rightly assess and rightly um, uh, arrive at conclusions that are uh, informed by the word of God. God is our father. God is a good God, and he seeks the best for his children. And, and that means that if that is true, that premise is true, that is one of the non-negotiables. My God is a good God. My God is my Father. My God's heart is kind and gracious and merciful towards me. As a father pitieth his children, so doth the Lord pity those that fear him. He remembers my frame that it is but dust. Uh, and you know what? Uh, if I will seek him, if I will trust him, uh, there's hope for all sin. There's hope for you. But again... All of mankind's woes were initiated. Eve was undermined at this exact point. Hath God said? Now, if I could come and just like doll your eyes and then start to play and push and push some buttons and kind of offer to help you to interpret some of your circumstances, you know what? You could get spooked really fast 
Hath God said? Hmm. Is that really what's going on in your job? No. Oh, in your ministry, you labored how many hours? You, you did what? And what were the results? And you're supposed to be fruitful and abounding. And you didn't know I could do the soft shoe, huh? No, no, you don't, you don't really want somebody to mess with your head. But you know what? You don't have a choice. Hell is going to mess with your head. And fine, you know what? You know, if you're in all comfy and safe and everything's fine, but all the devil had to do to derail paradise was to call into question God's goodness and God's motives for her life. Let me mention another destiny-altering misperception. Uh, David had a wife, and her name, this is Saul's daughter, some people call her Michael. I don't know if you want to marry someone with a boy's name, but let's call her Michal. Let's, let's make it Michal. I, I, my daughter gets on my case. Don't call her Michael. Okay. Michal. She is watching her husband. I understand. She's gone through some intense trauma I'm not belittling that I'm not I'm not you know what uh, no big deal lady suck it up you know you just you know you know be a good uh, no she went through some stuff I understand that and I want to have proper uh, you know compassion but she misconstrued David's worship and David's submission to God and she watched David out the window as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Now, her father never wanted God's presence in the capital. I would to God that Washington, D.C. would ask for God's, the Ark. In, I would to God, we'd, we'd, we would court and ask for God's presence to be in our capital, wouldn't you? I, I'm very sad that we've, we've expelled God. But you know what, Tim? So, okay, I get it. David's choice of, of uh, his outfit? Well, the king is... All right. How do I say this delicately in mixed company? David was wearing Speedos? Not a good look, but... Let's get some perspective. Back in the day, if an Oriental king was coming, in, there's, you know, we're talking about not our day. And, uh, we're talking about in those days, a great king is going to enter into a city oftentimes to demonstrate his power, his absolute um, sovereignty over the people, over, you know, his kingdom. They would have slaves dancing naked in front of his, uh, uh, you know, carriage or, or you know, his uh, horse, whatever, as he's coming into town, David had some clothes on, and so, but he's dancing, and it's a picture of his heart's submission. He's basically saying, you know what, uh, to me, God is my king, and though I am the designated earthly king, I don't have any confusion. The real king, the real one that deserves the glory, the real one that deserves the honor is the 
king of Israel, and I want to honor and highly esteem him. I want him to know that I genuinely want his presence in my administration and all that we do in our government and in our kingdom. I want the spirit of God. And so he's showing this as this is an act of submission. She looks at this, something's wrong in her filter. And she comes to a wrong conclusion and she makes a decision. And when David comes in with a blessing, his heart is tender. He has, he has distributed a portion of food and, and drink to the, to the people. He, his heart is, I want to bless uh, all the people of Israel. I want everybody to benefit. I want everybody to rejoice. It's a time of celebration. And she, she looks at him with, if looks could kill, he would have been put in a coffin. Uh, and she's as cold, uh, cold uh, as, uh, as uh, the North Pole. Uh, and she says, oh, weren't you just glorious? You, you vain man. Like what? You think David was an exhibitionist in front of all the maidens of Israel? It's like... I can't believe what you just said, wife. Uh, if you have the video of that one, that would have been pretty interesting too. The, the spirit between the husband and the wife. And so she, uh, she mocks him. She uh, judges him uh, completely wrong. And so, you know, she said, oh, you were like one of the vain pervert people and you uncovered yourself shamelessly. You have no shame, husband, no shame, king. And so David, okay, Michal, Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me before your father. And before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. And you know what, lady? I got more things, more tricks to play. In fact, you're egging me on and I'll be viler yet. So we don't even want to go there. That's like, I don't even want to. I'll be viler yet still and I'll be base in my own sight. But of the maidservants that you've spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Now listen. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children unto the day of her death. That is a commentary of the Holy Spirit. What happened? She no longer from that moment forward experienced intimacy with her husband, the king. David is one of the clearest types of the Messiah in all of the Bible. David is a type of Jesus Christ. And so, McCall, she's a type of the wife. So, she's having uh, bitterness. She's obviously bitter. She's having cynicism. Obviously, there's a toxic spirit and poison that's flowing out of her. David responds, no, lady, you know what? You've misjudged me, but I'm going to tell you something else. I don't want to be with you. And the Bible said, no children, which if you got 
you know, an understanding of Bible days that was like a curse. That was like, you know what? And so, may I make this real to us? If you attach wrong motives to the one that should be the closest to you in all of life, it's going to result in a poison that kills your own heart in the things of God. You poison yourself. Ends very badly for us. And, and in terms of intimacy, you know what? If we're, not, if we're not able to get close to Jesus, just one touch of him, his presence, his, his, his loving kindness, his graciousness. Uh, you know what? I've had times when Jesus has just touched me. I've had times when the peace of God has just uh, relieved me. And you know what? We need the touch of the Savior. I need to be intimate with if anybody, my wife, if anybody in the world. I need to be intimate with Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something. You can broadcast a spirit where you're like a spiritual porcupine. <laughs> and you're not going to have fruit because you have to have intimacy to have fruit. You know, this is so important that even in the fog of war, God wants to just make something impressed upon them. They have neglected the warnings. Jeremiah, the faithful spiritual mailman, has delivered the warnings, delivered the, you know, the telegrams from heaven. Listen, turn from this. If you don't turn, the Babylonians are going to come. You're going to get seized off your land they're going to get carried into captivity and warning after warning after warning and finally they cross the line the rubicon they've crossed it uh, and the babylonians are coming god said it is done now 70 years you are going to go into captivity you're going to be disciplined for 70 years now if you got that prophecy you don't you get the drift that god is upset with his people but in the midst of that, God is, this is so critical. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the Amplified, God says, okay, you are going to go into captivity, but I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, uh, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome uh, what is he saying? He said, listen, there are times when I as a father have to be moved in a, in a disciplinarian fashion. I am a good father. I am going to correct sin. I'm not going to just wink, wink at rebellion and sin and immorality and nonsense. There comes a time when I give you a space for repentance. You cross that line. I will deal with you. I will bring some discipline. It's not going to be pleasing when you're in discipline. And when you're in that time when you're feeling a rock and roll of discipline in your life, you're going to be tempted to think that God's given up on me. God's mad at me. God hates me. God's moved away. And the devil's going to be right there to say, yeah, yeah, that's right. You might as well just hang it up. You might as well go back to the slop pen, uh, pen uh, of your sin. You might as well forget about serving God. And God says, remember, I know the thoughts I have towards you. I'm going to discipline you, but that doesn't mean I reject you. Correction is not rejection. Oh, please, somebody lay hold of that. So we have to protect perceptions. We have to. It's given in the scripture. You're going to have to navigate. Matthew 24, verse 9. Jesus talked in a prophetic way. 
Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Does anyone sense that our uh, culture is going uh, uh, more and more to an antichrist uh, uh, hostile climate towards Christianity does anybody like the ostriches if you're an ostrich would you pull your head out of the sand and look at what's going on in our country in terms of our schools what they're trying to cram down and how you know you know about what just happened at that Presbyterian uh, day that school that little and they went in uh, and uh, that uh, person uh, directly but you know what it's interesting they're jumping on all kinds of demonic uh, voices are jumping on the psycho transsexual person freaked out oh wow uh, you know, she wasn't acting normal. Oh, yeah. When, you, when you're a woman and you try to be a man, that's like, that's not normal. And if you were hesitant to say amen, that's because that spirit of the Antichrist spirit is intimidating you right now. It's not normal. Jesus said the end times are not going to be normal. They're going to be crazy. And you know what? When the craziness comes down, there's going to be a temptation for people to get offended towards God. Because iniquity shall abound, shall be out of control. People are going to get offended at God. Jesus said, I know that's going to happen. He that endures to the end is going to be saved. And so you're going to experience, you know what? You can't. You say, well, I'm, going to, I'm just going to be in a, you know, in a, I'm just going to just, you know, get raptured. And, and, and I'm not going to have to face any of that. Well, I'm telling you, there's coming to a theater near you. And you're going to have to be prepared not only for fair weather sailing, but for foul weather sailing. And, you know, sometimes uh, a little illustration on the book of Acts, they thought they, they thought it was nice going to be calm sailing because uh, it looked good. The feelings, the circumstances look good. But uh, Paul says, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do it, don't do it. And just a few days into the sailing trip, uh, Euroclodon, which is, a, which is a time of every year, a season, a hurricane season, and over in the Mediterranean. And sure enough, the apostle was right. You shouldn't have sailed. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's, it's okay, and I feel good about it. And there's a soft wind blowing, and everything's fine. Uh-uh. Uh uh, and so what did they do? They ended up throwing their ships uh, uh, laden over overboard. Uh, and you know what? Um, uh, listen, you and I might have to lighten up the ship uh, in order to, uh, you know what? Uh, not go under. I I see that blessed you. Anyway, <laughs> hang on, hang on, because you know what? Uh, this is what Romans eight thirty five. I'm talking real stuff. I'm talking Romans eight thirty five. Who shall separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Listen, there's none of those that I just listed give me goosebumps of blessing. Oh, I pray for all of those things in my life. No, we don't pray for that. We pray to get out of that. And in the midst of that comes this promise 
all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't be just using that like the Catholics shake the rosary beads. Uh, well, I got a flat tire. All things work together. I hope an angel comes and changes my tire. Uh, I would, let's, let's reserve that for some bigger issues. Jesus said... I have spoken these things to you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't like the smiley face evangelist on TV. I can never stomach. I don't watch it. If I do ever turn on the Christian evangelist on the TV station, I can watch about 15 nanoseconds. And then I feel like I'm getting sick. Why? Because they're slimy. Maybe there's some good guys. I don't know. I haven't had a TV for 48 years. But I don't like that brand of, ooh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, confess it, possess it. Ooh, blab it and grab it. You know what? I need some real faith, real world faith to navigate the garbage, the crap, the, the insanity. I was a missionary for nine years and they killed a missionary's wife. You know what, uh, buddy? I didn't need some slimy, uh, feel good little, you know, religious massage. I needed some, you know what? Uh, I, needed an, I needed a lifeline. I needed something that I could hold, hold on to when it came to thinking about, is my wife going to get killed next? Is this for real? Is this worth uh, living for? Is this worth dying for? Is this worth serving? Should I cut and run? What am I going to do, Lord Jesus? Uh, I didn't come to the Philippines and expect. You know, I was there three months and they killed, brutally killed a missionary's wife. My son was in uh, his field trip with uh, Randy Adams. And and, uh, dad, no, it can't be. We were just there. We just saw her. Well, she's been killed. Two guys jumped the wall and brutally stabbed her and a Filipina helper. And we don't know the motive. They left 24,000 pesos on the, on the, on the counter. And, and they were having their, their furniture delivered. The lady that built their furniture, made their furniture, made my furniture, Norma Helmandoni. And there were so many parallels. They were with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And we were, you know, of course, our fellowship. And so they were 31. We were 31. They had three kids. We had three kids, you know. And our kids were in the same class. And all this stuff. And I, you know what? My brain was on, you know what? It was like... Uh, on, you know, it was on, um, uh, you know, aviation fuel. I was just like, wow, and God, and, and things were being pushed in my heart. And I'm thinking, you know what, how am I going how, how to figure this out? And, and so you can say what you want. I'm not trying to have bravado right now. I'm trying to be honest with you. If I was to tell you, oh, I feel hunky-dory, oh, glory to God, I prayed at the altar that I could be the fellowship's first martyr. In a pig's eye, I did. I like life. I love my wife. I love my kids. Do I have a right to even be here? Do you, can you even possibly imagine the demonic opportunities that hell began to push his, his bony little fingers begin to push buttons in 
What kind of a man are you to bring your family here? What kind of a man are you to expose your family to danger? You know what, Jim? I don't know about you, but I didn't enjoy having the emergency drills where my kids go, one, two, three, and they have to run in four, three different directions and hide and, and go into this place and that place. And I had to make arrangements with the hotel nearby. If my kids come hightailing in here, just put them up in a room. Uh, I'll give you some money. Don't worry. And I had to make arrangements. You know what? I believe the old Puritans of Proverbs. Say your prayers, but keep your gun powder dry. <laughs> and I had to look in the mirror. And I had to say, Austin, for real, is Jesus Christ worth dying for? Honestly, it's, it's, not, a, it's not like a theory. No, Jesus, is the gospel worth dying for? And the Lord's my witness. I made a decision. I said, yes, it is. And God graciously visited me and God graciously gave me by faith. They escaped the edge of the sword, the mouth of lions. They subdued uh, the armies of aliens. Uh, uh, they, you know, they subdued kingdoms uh, and all of these wonderful things. Rhema, a rhema download into my heart. Um, when I made a decision, I choose to trust my God God, you are not so much interested in my comfort as you are in my character and your kingdom being advanced in the earth. Uh, there are casualties in the warfare. I don't want my wife, my children to ever have to suffer one thing. But God, you know what? Um, we are your servants. Here we make our stand. Here we trust. Uh, and I've got to tell you something. The supernatural power of God. I, I, I pray for that other family and God bless. You know what? Um, but in our situation, God gave us um, uh, a hedge of divine protection. And so we didn't run. And today there's almost 300 churches out of Davao City. And I give God all the glory. Corey Ten Boom, I'm going to close with her, her poem. And if you knew her story, it's very powerful, very, very intense. And listen to the words. Her sister was killed by the Nazis, abused, probably raped. Her old father was abused and died in the Nazi concentration camps. They messed with her. Of course, they messed with her. She's a young woman, a Dutch woman. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors. He weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice with him. Let's bow our head. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? 
I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.